Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from New York, New York, it's the Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Gianni Russo, Patrick Piccarelli, and Megan Horan. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And wherever you're listening to and what time zone it may be in, thank you for tuning in. Hollywood Godfather Podcast. Pat's on the line, as usual. Megan's sitting here, and we're ready Hi, to everybody. talk about something. Megan says she has a surprise that she was shocked about something about me. <laughs> I got to hear what this is about. Yeah, so obviously we're together a lot, and I hear a lot of stories. And I've heard you mention before that you, oh, I produced a children's show. And I was like, uh, what? So I Googled it, and there it is right there, executive producer Gianni Russo. So it was AJ's Time Travelers. So what, now, how, what, did what, that, what, how did that what, happen? Well, what shocks you about this? I mean, you think of children's shows of little little kids at home on Saturday morning in their jammies watching television. The first name that should pop up is Gianni Russo. Oh, of course. Why did I ever I mean, doubt it? Perfect, perfect person to do a, a, a show like this. So who else would you, would you think? I'm very surprised at you, Megan, really. I know. I should have known better. But you know, it, it, I, I love the challenge. I, I was good. I'm, I'm still friends with Rupert Murdoch, and uh, Rupert owns Fox uh, Television. And it was funny because I had I rented a house one time in Malibu just to see what that lifestyle was in the colony. And the, the guy next door to me was Jaime Saban. Now mo- most people don't know who Jaime Saban is, but he came over. Nope. <laughs> and what what he did though, you're going to know Im- immediately. He came over and he would produce children's television shows called Power Rangers. Oh, yes. Which was an instant hit with, yeah. with toys and everything else. And, but as the show progressed for a year or two, parents were complaining to the network and the FCC and all of that because these kids, Maggie, stop chopping. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> And that's our chef for the night. We have a guest <laughs> chef. She's making us dinner while we broadcast. Anyway, so with that said, after the chopping has stopped, they were getting complaints from the FCC and everything else that the kids were coming home and doing karate chops to their sisters and brothers and breaking teeth. So the FCC went really hard on Fox Children's Network and... Uh, Kennedy, uh, he was running the whole thing, and he knew I had a lot of kids, and uh, I had, I think, nine at the time. But uh, he said, Johnny, what do your kids watch? I said, oh, don't tell me. They watch Barney. That was me. That was my era. I know. Well, that, I found that out. She's between my son Luciano and Adriana. My two youngest. Yeah, my two youngest. So and I wasn't that dragon, that freaking purple dragon, annoying as hell. Excuse me. Oh, but, I loved uh, it. My, you know, my kids always used to watch it too. So naturally, you want to bond, so you watch it with them. I I, I wanted to kick the television screen out. That <laughs> freaking dragon really annoyed me. You oh, know, you know, what, dragon, I, right? Yeah, the dinosaur. Big, yeah, dinosaur, dragon, oh, whatever. Yeah, dinosaur. whatever. Okay. Yeah. But he was big in that big purple plush <laughs> thing. Anyway, who was, he was it? He was way. He was way out of shape. Now you can imagine he me. He looks great. <laughs> you should have gone to the gym more. No, anyway. but you know, the bottom line, my, my problem was I'd be just coming in from my club. I'd be drunk out of my mind. But my kids would, Daddy, <laughs> sit down with me. I'd say, oh, my God. And they, they, yeah. they had this stupid show. But I found out later on, because I love making money, that lady only produced 26 shows. 
What lady? The lady who produced that show. Who produced Barney? Yeah. And the, the, that's it. That's it. But as what you as you can remember, them? and I said, to, even when I started developing my show, AJ's Time Travelers, and I wanted this bigger budget and because I wanted to make more episodes, they said, no, kids love repetition. And it's so true because as soon as the episode calls on, the kids are saying every line and they, they feel they have a friend. Mm-hmm. It's not like today, all our children have you know iPads and this and that and the other. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody's even talking to each other anymore. So I saw an opportunity there. They said, Johnny, can you put a show together? I said, yeah, why not? Give it to me. And but, but what, they, what made you think of this particular premise? What was the premise of the show? My premise was that, you know, I read a lot of stuff and I made a mistake, uh, uh, which uh, I should always keep my mouth shut. Some wise guy in New York had a girlfriend who wrote kids' books. And it was a coincidence. I should really send them to me. So she sends these books. I read these books. I'm thinking maybe this could be it. And it was called Ricky Rocket. And it was about a kid who's being raised by a single mother, which wasn't fashionable then yet. Probably not, no. And uh, he used to fantasize and go to his room. And he became Ricky and his rocket. He had this rocket on his desk. And he'd dream about it at night and he'd go places. So, I mean, as you can see, it's very boring and <laughs> and whatever. So, and what happened to me... How, how did you come up with your concept? Well, was, I, I'm going to go there now. It's because uh, okay. I, I, had some, I had some friends <laughs> that... I, <laughs> I had some friends uh, now on and Abu Jalbakari who were very affluent kids. I met them in Vegas. They had their own jets. And they their biggest business was lanolin. And they had a big contract out of Indonesia with Procter & Gamble. They were the largest producers of lanolin for soap. And it's like three or four generations. Huh. And their, other, their, their father created seamless pipe, which again, I know nothing about. And this was the pipe that had the density to transport oil, these oil lines all over the world. Mm-hmm. So these kids were billionaires. Wow. But their downfall and I say for them it was, not for me, they were Muslims. And they wanted to have people have a different attitude about the Muslim faith because they're not all fanatics and they're regular people that go to mosques and pray together. And so they said to me, because I did a couple of movies by that time, and they said, do you think you could take the Koran and turn it into something. Koran. Koran, whatever it is. Okay. Koran. Yeah. It's, a, it's their, like their Bible. And they said, could you make this into something that's entertaining and, and you know, bridge different age groups? Okay. So me, you know, with enough money, I could do anything. <laughs> so, so I said, what would be the budget? They said, what do you think? I said, well. Call for the gold, man. Yeah, I did. I said, probably $10 million. This, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't believe they even did this. So we're in Vegas talking about this. We're in Vegas. And they flew in on their own jets. We couldn't get them, you know, can't give them, can't, they don't even go to their room. They go right to the baccarat table. They put two or three men in the cage. Right. And they, they don't want women or nothing. They, they have jello and tea and they gamble. And they fly out. And so it wasn't two or three days 
later, my guy, who was my accountant at the time, uh, what was his name? Tom. Oh, no. Tom the accountant. No, no, yeah, but yeah, it was an, I thought I knew remembered his name. Anyway, the bank calls him and says, uh, was Gianni expecting a wire? So Tom, no reason really not wise. He says, yeah, probably. What's the amount? We, says, we just got $10 million from the Bank of Indonesia. So he calls me, and it was like 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm just getting up. He says, John, are you expecting a wire? Don't forget not. I had this conversation with these guys on a Friday. Right. They flew home over the weekend. They were like 12 hours ahead of me. I already have the Thank wire. I have the wire on Monday. So I called Were you him expecting anything? Was you just having a conversation? What if, right? Yeah. I said, 10 million, we could do it. And then they said, oh, okay, you know, now I got the money. So I said, I can do it, which I could. I could hire people with that kind of money. I hire anybody. Mm -hmm. So I said, what I think we should do is have the face-to-face meeting about this. Let me fly over. They said, we'll send the plane. Like, you know, it's... <laughs> Maybe fifty thousand dollars worth of fuel back and forth. Yeah. So I come I, halfway around the world. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't really want to go on a small plane. I said, No, no, no. I'll fly over. I'll, I'll get my own airline ticket. They said, Just call the office. We'll, we'll take care of it all. And they did first class. Everything was perfect. I land. I go to their offices. Unbeknownst to me, they owned TNV, which was the network television station. Also, they forgot to tell me they own that. So I meet with all their developing people, and now I know what the Koran is it called? Koran. Koran. Yes, Koran. Koran is. And we're sitting, and I'm doing this winging it off the top of my head. They said, well, how will you distribute this? And I said, wait a minute. How many Muslims are there? And they told me, like, a ridiculous amount of numbers. Right. So I said, that's how I'm going to do it. I said, I'm going to make each mosque buy three copies for each family and they said, what is that about? I said, well, one for their family, one for a friend, and one for somebody they knew who was non-Muslim. Hmm. And when they did the numbers, they thought that was brilliant. I just made that up. <laughs> it was millions and millions of copies immediately. Wow. So I got into a contract with them. And I, you know, we came, we came back and developed, I mean, who can't develop a TV show? It's moronic when you do this. So I went to CBS Radford Studios, and the only reason I did that, I was living up on Mulholland. I'd come right down Mulholland, and I'll be there. Take Coldwater Canyon, I'm right at CBS Radford. And at the time was Seinfeld, Roseanne, everybody was on that set. Mm -hmm. And when I got, when it, I was doing this in the summer during a hiatus. So I met with the, the general manager of the, of the whole shooting lot and I said uh, I want to do the TV show I said I need a stage a major stage and all that and you know and so he showed me around I took offices and all that and he gave me a number and he said uh, well you know uh, we have somebody that's looking at this for a 90 day run I said I'll take it for a year hmm. they said well we have to run your credit I said no you don't I said give me a number I'll transfer the money tomorrow pay a year in advance so this guy, the rumor around this, the whole lot immediately, who is this guy? Yeah, right. Now, understand this. I mean, obviously, I've already made The Godfather. And this was like 92 or 93, 94, I did this. And I'm driving Bentleys and Ferraris and all this stuff. And 
and I love Seinfeld. And that's how I met, um, what's the, the, the producer, the crazy man, maniac. Oh, uh, 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 David. David. Larry David. Larry David. Larry David. Larry David. Well, Larry David right away came over. He was, I mean, he's, he's nuts as he is on his own show. That's who he is. <laughs> and because uh, then they saw, you know, they put my name. I had like three cars. So I put Johnny Russo, G.R. Russo. You had three different spots. Spots for my car. So, you know, so, so he came and he says, how much money do you have? I said, excuse me, who are you? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm just a producer on his lot. I said, yeah. He said, we heard you paid a, a year in advance. What are you making, Bono in there? You're, oh a, you're a mafia guy? I swear that's what he said to That's me. great. He was getting right to the point. No, that's right to the point, Yeah. which is even funnier because I got to know him later on. But my daughter, Gia, moves to Bel, Bel- Air, uh-huh. and he is her neighbor. Oh now, what God. is the odds of that? And her name is Levin. She married this kid, Levin. Okay. And... One day, I'm there visiting him, and he calls Gia. He says, Gia, don't go in your yard. She says, why? She says, there's a gangster in your yard. I know he's a gangster. And she goes to the window, looks out. She <laughs> says, my dad. She said, that's my father. Johnny Russo's your father? And he said, oh, my God, he's going to kill me. She says, why? He says, I just called the cops. They're on the way over. Are you kidding? He called the cops on and you? And the sirens, everybody's coming. I swear, they, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. What? He comes to my yard and he says, Mr. Russo, Mr. Russo, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said, what are you sorry about? And you hear all the sirens. And oh now they're pulling in my front of my daughter's house. Gosh. I mean, this guy was so, I had to share that story with you. so crazy. That's but he actually thought I was a gangster. Because we didn't. Where ever did he get that idea? Yeah, I don't know. I where don't he know where he got that, that idea. Well, I guess the cars. He can, pulled that you know, out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah hello. But, yeah, absolutely. Very creative guy. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> so now I was in that episode on 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 Seinfeld. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. I I, I'm surprised I didn't become one. But I think he was yeah. afraid to. But the the. Uh, <laughs> I I did my research and there was a, a Gold Coast Gold Coast Studios were doing a lot of animation stuff. Stuff. And David, as life would have it, was dating my sister-in-law. So he connected me with all these children's writers and all of that. Mm-hmm. And we came up with, because uh, I, my kids had every toy in the world. And what they just came out with a kid's CD-ROM. With the little kid, you sat there and you put the CD-ROM and, and play anything on it. Mm-hmm. So I was going to create AJ's Time Travelers. AJ was my youngest daughter's initials, oh, yeah. Adriana Jacqueline. So it's AJ's time travelers. And what would happen, they had this little, she already had this little CD-ROM player. Mm-hmm. And what would happen, whatever they were thinking about at night or whatever, or school lesson, which I wanted to do, would morph into this. Hmm. So even with the Koran, it was a way to introduce it. Because they could take you into the Bible, we could take you and try to move it that way. Gracefully, we'd do an American series, and the one for Indonesia would be only about Koran. Hmm. So I had two things going, and I knew that Fox needed something. So it all was working. So it was all falling into place. I had all the production dollars I wanted. So I'm producing that, I'm producing. But what happened soon after, as we all remember, the 
problems with nuclear and all this stuff. Nobody wanted to talk about Muslims. Nobody wanted to talk about anything. And so I went on to produce this. Fortunately, they made money with it. I gave it to them. It was, uh, and what was good about it, it skewed the age you wanted it to be. So if you had AJ's Time Travelers and your children were born from four to five or five to six, you clicked in their age group and it played that for you. Really? And, and we did it in layers. The educational stuff was, was the program. And what I, I did shoot was all everything that was evergreen. Leonardo da Vinci, Christopher Columbus, uh, who built the Brooklyn Bridge, which I learned the whole thing about that. Right. The, the guy who designed the Brooklyn Bridge died, and his wife and daughter completed it. Oh. But you know people don't know that. Right. So, you know, you, so you'll do it maybe in Ding Dong School, the version of the Brooklyn Bridge, mm-hmm. then you do it in a more sophisticated. But it was now my version of an encyclopedia because they used to sell us when we were kids going door to door with this whole book. You must have had that, Pat, in your house. Yeah, the Encyclopedia Britannica. They used to, it was uh, 26 volumes or something. Yeah, was, 26 uh, books. It cost like 800 bucks. Oh, and, yeah, I've uh, seen those in people's was, houses, like uh, collections. You know, prior, to the, prior to the internet, of course, you, you, you have this set of encyclopedias for a year, and they're outmoded. You have to keep upgrading it. Wow. You know, to, to keep it's a big yeah. deal. In fact, I remember my grandmother going to the, even the movie theater, and if he bought so many tickets, they were using it as a perk to get a book there. Because they did dish in a month, they got done with that. We had, we had so many dishes from the theater. Paramount Theater used to have a showcase when you walked in. With your ticket, you get so many tickets. That's so funny. But that's when you're going to movie for 25 cents. Though. Right, oh, yeah. That's not, not now. Mm-hmm. Now you can buy uh, uh, movie tickets, you could buy... Uh, um, Something Wedgwood. <laughs> so so everything is going fine. You're, you're you're in production. Everybody's happy. They're making money. Not only and that, it implodes. Yeah, but not only that. We won. I won the educational award. I was so baffled because I never went to school. Nobody knew that until the book came out. Most people didn't know that. You know, my early years, I spent five years in in, in a polio award. And got no education because they thought nobody's going to outlive their stay there. So now here I am getting the educational award. I felt so embarrassed, basically. Mm -hmm. And I just was very honest when I got to the podium. I said, I totally appreciate this award. And I, I really have to. It's basically the show that won the award. Because now we were donating book sets and Fox was doing it too. Right. Sending box sets to schools. It was good, you know, propaganda for the show mm-hmm. and sending libraries to it. Then I get a call from uh, the call. Uh, the call. <laughs> I get a call yeah. from a very close friend of mine. And he said, Johnny, you got to come into New York. I said, for what? He says, um, I can't tell you on the phone. A couple of people want to talk to you. I said, well, can you tell me who wants to talk to me? I said, uh, he said, about, I just tell your families that want to talk to you. Uh-oh. So, uh, I said, okay. And I said the same thing. Uh-oh. Uh, Genevieve and Gambino. Oh, my gosh. I said, okay, when should I come? He's getting on the next plane. Oh, my gosh. So I'm saying to myself, what the hell is this? You know, and, and there's always a possibility, we have to tell our, our listeners, that when you're summoned, 
to these uh, meetings, you may not ever leave the meeting. No, nope, right. you may not right. come out alive. Exactly. No, yeah. So what were you thinking? Uh, I mean, I, I was thinking just concerned. all of that because I, <laughs> I just, you know, I left Vegas already. This is the 90s now. I was done with the casino business. I'm still doing my stuff with Nitty. I had enough money forever. My house was 10,000 square feet, just to show you. And I had an apartment in town right. at the 10580 Wilshire Cor- Corridor, just in case I got tired and didn't want to drive up the hill. <laughs> but, <laughs> so I mean, It's all about options. And I'm saying, what the hell could this be? So now I go there, and there's this guy, just use his first name. I don't want to implicate anybody. He was there, and they told me when I get to, I got to the airport, I made a call to the guy to call me. He said, "Go." To, and I, I flew to Red Eye, and he says, "Go to Venero's Pastry Shop on Eleventh Avenue." That's a famous place. Uh, famous. Oh, okay. And that's Very where Chin Giganti well, hung out. Infamous, more than famous. Infamous. Got it. And you could find any more than a hundred years of good behavior having coffee and a, and. A cannoli. <laughs> yeah, so, so now I go there, and I'm, I'm dressed in a suit. I knew most people. And uh, and they were all like not being that friendly to me. I said, oh, my God, what the hell is this? What did you do? What Uh-oh, did you do? Gianni. I didn't know. So now it comes time. Everybody comes in. Not to, the, not to the pastry shop. Some underlings are in the pastry shop. And I guess they were there just to make sure I stay. Mm. And then somebody comes from the back door, a face I recognize, and he's sitting for John Gotti, for the Gambino family. He's okay. the underboss for the Gotti family. And he's still alive, so I'm not going to mention his name. Yeah, please don't. But anyway, so he hugs and kisses me, <laughs> and he says, uh, you got a problem. Oh. I said, can you talk to me about it? He said, it's better we go upstairs and sit. So we go upstairs. And remember when I told you a friend of mine's girlfriend wrote kids' books? Yes. This guy is sitting up there, and he's with the Genovese family. That's why Chin's there. And Chin is? Chin is uh, Chin Giganti. He's who the, is? Who was the boss of the Genovese family. Okay. Who used to parade around as an old man in, in his slippers, that he was senile. He was really the boss of the Genovese family. Mm. He took over. Yeah, he would put on a crazy act for like 25 years. Yeah. Because, really? And he, and he, yeah, every time an indictment came up, he, he, he would have an episode. It was know? like the insanity. And But the good news, yeah. what, what gave him credibility, he had a brother that was a priest, P- Peter, that used to certify. And any doctor in the world is going to write anything he wanted. So. Oh, wow. And But a- after my friend, who... You know, na- nurtured me, Frank Costello. Right. He stepped down when Vito Genovese wanted his family back. Mm. Then Vito got deported. And I knew of Chin Giganti because Chin Giganti supposedly missed assassinating Frank Costello on the elevator and wounded him in the head. Oh, yeah. I remember that story. So now this is this guy. It was in his lobby. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now we're spinning yeah. forward. I'm, you know, in my 40s. Not a teenager anymore. Right. And he's the boss. Okay. So we sit down, and I, I see Louie there, and he's the guy that sent me the books for his uh, girlfriend. And uh, they open it up. And Chin said, how long did you think you were going to get away with this? I said, get away with what? He said, you stole Louie's girlfriend's intellectual property. 
Now, where did he even learn the name intellectual property? Now it came out of Chin's mouth in his life. <laughs> and I said, that's ins- absurd. It's crazy. I said, we developed this from day one. He said, well, she's going to sue you. And uh, we discussed this. I said, discuss what? When she sues you, you're not going to testify. You weren't even going to show up. Right. right. No, this is the first go around. He says, yeah. we just want you to settle. So she had some stupid lawyer. And I said, you're not, not even giving it a nuisance. I had all this money anyway. We went to court, in and out, bing, bang, boom, bing, boom. I said, would you take a settlement right now? And her lawyer answers yes. We gave him $100,000. By time the, the smoke cleared, thirty days, sixty days, I'm summoned back. What are you kidding me with that hundred thousand? You're making millions off of this. Oh. And then they I hired heavy guns. Oh. And now, as Pat jumped forward on, we read we wrote it. They didn't even want me to show up. Mm-hmm. They wanted me to leave my house. So I couldn't be subpoenaed. They could win it on a default. Now, the listening audience must be saying, well, why? Who cares? Well, here's who cared. Pat Bolin, who was my brother-in-law at the time, got involved with me early on. Mm-hmm. So they subpoenaed him. They go for deep pockets. Right. Then they, they went- tell everybody who he is. Uh, he owns the Denver Broncos mm-hmm. at the time, which at that time was worth maybe- 100, 200 million. By the time he died, it was worth a billion, which he just passed on. The fact that Rupert Murdoch was showing my show, they sued Fox Television, including Rupert Murdoch. Really? Oh, no, they went in. Who who, who owned Fox, yeah. Yeah, who owned Fox. That's crazy. So this went on, and now I have to tell my family, my little kids that we were talking about, Barney... And my wife, who I was married to at the time, last wife, and these two lovely kids that I totally adore yet, we had a a code at the gate, because we lived in a gated community, fortunately, that if police came for me, and they know me, these guys, I would send more food to the guardhouse for these guys, Mm -hmm. nice gifts for me every year. So I knew all of them. And I said, if police ever come to my house, it may happen, I don't know. Let me know that people are here to see me. But if the feds ever come, tell them you have friends here. Oh, okay. And I gave them my direct line. I had one phone line in the house that I answered, not the maids, not anybody else. Because right. by the time they got me, the house would be surrounded. <laughs> so the one guy, late, the late guard, that was a good friend of mine, at three or four in the morning, I used to see him every day when I come home. He rings my phone. It's like 5.30 in the morning. And I found out that's a pattern for the FBI to raid your house while you're asleep. Huh. So now, but what they didn't realize, I redid my backyard and my tennis court and my fourth garage faced the backyard. So and when, when you live up on Mulholland, you have to create a firewall, they call it. Okay. It's basically not a wall. It's, it's a deep crevice made out of concrete 
for a fire wash or for a truck, fire truck to go up and put out the fire behind your house. Okay. So when I was going to resurface my tennis court, I put in a 10-foot thing underneath the tennis court, like a tunnel. <laughs> so my car would go, my Ferrari <laughs> would tunnel. go out, go up there, and I could be at LAX in oh 20 minutes. Oh, my gosh. So the guard calls me. Escape. Well, you never know when you have to leave, you know. So <laughs> I, was, I was doing this anyway. Why didn't put this in? I think yeah, this right. is great. So I, I tell the guard, I said, uh, give, give me a few minutes and, and let him in, mm-hmm. which is normal. They don't know who you're talking. Yeah. So I don't know what he said to them. And a couple of minutes ago, they opened the gates and the bells are ringing and I'm already gone. So, you know, everybody wakes up, they get the kids, and who's, who else is in the house? Bring them down to the living room. So the maids come down, everybody come down. And they say, we, we want to, they had a warrant, search mm-hmm. the house for me. And this is because you didn't show up in court? Yeah. They had a, a federal okay. warrant out, a warrant that became federal warrant because of the amount of the money, and I didn't show up in court. And they gave me so many days oh, so, to turn, so, turn myself okay, in. So the, so the, so the object here is for people who are listening and maybe a, a little lost. Uh, they order you, uh, the, the chin and his, and his pallet was with him, not to show up in court. You would default. They would win uh, uh, via default millions and millions of dollars, and which they would pocket. And then what? Which was, which? well, that's what happened because this went on for almost a year. I was a fugitive. Mm-hmm. Where were you? And, well, I was. I went. I, I, I went to. I went to the airport, W Brown, which I normally do, and I threw the kid. The kid, they have a kid there. You know, takes your luggage and all because it's for overseas trips. Okay. A lot of family come. You know, so I threw him the keys of the car. He said, "You can't park here." I said, "Why?" He said, "You're going to get towed away." I said, well, "I ain't going to get towed away." He said, "That's your car." I said, "No, it's your car." You just gave it. I gave him the car. What, what kind of car was it? Ferrari. And paid for. Wow. I said, the pig slips in the, in the glove box. Don't worry about it. That's crazy. But it didn't mean nothing to me. I made $10 million. Hello. What's yeah. up? That's like $10. Hello. And then I go inside, and I always, I still don't have credit cards. I don't want credit cards. I, right. like, I like debit cards. So anybody steals them, they have $2,500, and I replenish it. I don't want to spend money I didn't have. So now I'm finding airline hostesses. Who's going on Royal Dutch? Who's going here? And I'd see the girl. I said, listen, I'm going through a bad divorce. There's 2500 on this card. Go blow it. Have fun. I ain't giving this girl my money. And I did this to everybody. Because um, I knew that's how the FBI follows you. They track you on your spending. So you just gave it to everybody. It to everybody. <laughs> Confused the hell this out of them. This is before 9-11. Oh, my so God. now I go to the sick and I buy it. I look up the board, what's leaving right now. And like, you know. Just get on. And I get on a plane. Buy a first-class ticket, show to my passport. And they took me upstairs, put me right on the plane. I was gone. Where'd you go? I went to Italy, because that's where I normally go. Right. And I went to Spain, got on my boat, and I hung around. And had a, a little bit. But what happened to me, unfortunately, was my little kids, unbeknownst to me, they, they, you know, my my my, my son uh, Luciano, and they, and they were showing their badges. I'm finding this out from the kid that worked for forever, Marco. He was the houseboy. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And he was just standing there, just taking it all in. And I had his cell phone number. Mm-hmm. And I told him to go to a pay phone and call me. And I, because I just had to say, um, call me. And he had my other phone. That my sister Joanne always had a, because she had a maiden name. I always had phones that people couldn't trace to me. Right. Because I knew how they do this stuff. So he had the number and he told me about what they did to Luciano. They showed him their badge and, yeah, you're going to grow up and be FBI. My kids are enamored with him. Now tell me where your daddy's hiding. Oh, my God. And, so he, he, and they, the kid took, I had a stage in my house for okay. them. And on each side I had bookcases. But the bookcases were electric magnets. Where you press them, they open, you go down to a thousand bottle wine room, right? That's so cool. No, but it was so cool. I built this house. That's so cool. Was, and everybody used to come down here. The kids were on stage doing what they're doing. I had a large a Palmer ham that people don't know what that is, prosciutto. Okay. On a cutter. It was cold. So you come down here, you had a wheel of Raggiamo cheese. We had bread and you drink wine. That we stayed amazing. down here. It was great. And the kids you're, are upstairs. You're, doing, making me, you're making me hungry. Right. Yeah. The, no, and the kids hungry. are doing ding dong school, you know, and, and play. And, and they had yeah, a stage. Playing on the stage, yeah. Making and plays. And had fun, and, and everybody was having And we had a camera, so I could see what they were doing even there. Oh. So anyway, so long story short, this is going on and on and on. So now, my lawyers get a letter, and they don't have to say anything, but they know how to get in touch with me. Shannon, which I don't blame her, went to the She's courts. your wife. Which my is yeah, wife, your ex-wife. And uh, went to the courts. I'm gone a year. No word from me, nothing. She had money, no problem there. Okay. She knew I was all right, I wasn't dead. But I, I couldn't tell her where I was, and I, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Because yeah. they said, you know, we don't, you know, we know where you live. And basically, they, I didn't know what they would do. Yeah. I didn't think, it's normal, and Pat would verify it, normally... The mob don't hurt family, wives, or kids. But I didn't trust these guys because of the amount of money. And the, and, and the award mm. that she finally got was $54 million. Anybody listening to this, go to AJ's Time Travelers. You'll see that it was a 4.7. And they'll see legal. And I want to mention the lady's name. But you go to legal and law, and it said we were sued. And she was awarded fifty-four million dollars. Yeah, it does. Say because that. you didn't show up. Because I didn't. Because you, yeah, because you were told not to. Yeah, hello. Uh, 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 Your name's right here. Uh, getting your day wrong. Yeah, I'm sure. not going to. They, 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 they won on a default. They wound up getting fourteen million dollars from because they they paid it. Pat Bowen was on the hook, and Fox Children's Network. So they made fourteen million dollars. I lost my family over this. She filed before all this came down, got full custody of my kids. Oh my gosh. And proved, just anybody could prove, my association with the mob. I did kill that guy in the, in the club so it was prior there. to kids. Right. So it was all there. Not only did she get full custody, she got restraining orders. I can't go 100 feet to my kids, oh talk my to them. And I thought now, maybe they're listening to the podcast, I thought by now, them in their 20s, they would call me. I, that's the reason I still have the same phone number. Mo, nobody realizes why I still have my same three, 310 number. Because I'm hoping one day they'll call. I think we should end the show because I'm getting emotional. Yeah, that's all right. But uh, thank you for bringing this up. <laughs> 
I mean, well, it's, but, you know, it's, this was uh, the way we, we ended the book. Uh, uh, and there was some stuff after that, but basically this was at the end of the book because it, you were so frustrated that this is all happening and you can't come back, mm-hmm. but you can't tell anybody why you can't come back. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's that, why you, you, that you, I mean, it's been extremely stressful and frustrating for you. And the, the way you, I have to say it uh, on the air to the world, the way you wrote that closing paragraph, that he wrote a direct message, only the way Pat Picciarelli could write, to my kids. Mm. And yeah. told them why daddy wasn't home. Yeah. But they still haven't called. Well, well you know. Kids, they get their minds poisoned when they're young. Oh and yeah, they, and I don't they, blame them. They have a great life. They yeah. don't need me. And yeah. but you know, yeah. but if you're hearing this or any of their friends are, tell them Daddy's waiting That's for that call. Let's go to the mailbag. All right, please. So the first question is from Joseph, and Joseph asks her, Gianni, you've spoken about being a man who is very into his faith. Going through the craziness of life you've been through, how have you held on to that? Without my faith, I wouldn't have gone through it. I think God has been on my shoulder. St. Anthony. I mean, all the things that I've done, there's not a day in my life I don't pray. There's not a bedroom that I sleep in that I own that doesn't have a full altar mm-hmm. with the things that mean a lot to me. And I tell you right now, even, I mean, what we just spoke about, without my faith, and I've talked to John Paul II about it. There's there's certain things in life you can't rectify. And as far as Shannon, which I'm not mentioning her real name, I don't blame her at all. Mm. I mean, these people are legitimate, straight people. I'm insane what I do <laughs> and got away with it. But, you know, and it's no way to raise kids. And that's basically, I guess, my, my cop-out also was that, you know, my faith and what I did, I did. And I, I, I'm, I'm not about to apologize for it. I'm successful. I did it. Yeah. And that's it. Mm. All right. Next. Next is from Andy for Pat. He says, you've spoken about your time serving in Vietnam. Were you drafted or did you volunteer? I, I uh, enlisted in the Army. Uh, back then, uh, you could get drafted. You could even push up your draft uh, if you wanted to. Or you can enlist. For three years, you get drafted for two. But if you enlist, you have a, 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 a choice of assignments. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, 18 years old, no, I just turned, I just turned 19. The insanity, uh, the way young men think. I wanted to see what fighting a war was like. So when, when people ask wow. me, you, you volunteered for the Army? I said, not only did I volunteer for the Army, I volunteered for Vietnam. Wow. I mean, people were fighting to get out of there, and I volunteered to go... And I was a machine gunner in the infantry. So they said, Gene, you must be very patriotic. I said, truthfully, I wanted to blow shit up. That's why, wow. that's why I wanted to go there. So that was, that, was, my, that was my rationale at 19 years old. I just wanted to blow shit up and see what war was like. And I tell you, I found out in the first 20 minutes, and I regretted <laughs> joining the Army. I regretted volunteering for Vietnam. Uh, but, you know, you Were do you what you do. you volunteered for the no, worst yeah, war I, I, in the world? I volunteered for everything. I was a, I was a crazy kid. But that's that was the worst war to volunteer anybody, anybody I know. Yeah, that's the toughest. That was the toughest war. That was not, no, it was not no nice reward. Reward. I tell you, brutal. I tell you, I I came back with a great tan. <sighs> well, that's a good way to look at it, man. That's important. It's never faded. And, you, and you got it. And you got it. And I I was going to say you had your insanity, but after that statement, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, yeah. So to answer the listener's question, yeah, I was a volunteer for a lot of stuff. No. That's wild. Yeah. Next. Oh. All right, next. Henry Fergiani, what is your favorite place you've ever traveled to? Oh, my God, it still is, too. What? The Amalfi Coast. Oh, I, I wish I... I love the Amalfi Coast. And not because my family, my great-grandmother and all of them are from there, but even my, my cousin uh, Giovanni Russo and his whole family, they're so successful. And if you're going to go... I mean, this may sound crazy, but I think you'll agree with me. If you're going to have relatives... Let them be rich, man. They are so rich. <laughs> yeah, allow them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this guy, I mean, when I first got there, he owned the Sorrento Hilton. He owns Bellevue. He owns half the land of Capri. He's wow. the largest landlord of Capri. Then we leave his hotel and go down on a little river, those 24-foot great mahogany boats, mm-hmm. and we go to his island. His island, island. his island is between Positano and Capri called the Agilio. So if you're there and you see that wonderful big white house and it has one of the siren towers which they used to call for mm-hmm. the watch out, that's his island. In fact, it's listed right now at Sotheby's. For, he wants $285 million for his island. He's getting bored of staying there. Wow. <laughs> so, oh, poor guy. I, I mean, yeah, right. to go there with him, to go anywhere with people, you know, I, I, but to me, I had my boat over there so many times. It's it's. Oh, ma- I want to go there. It's magic. It's magic. Yeah, me too. I, I've never been, and I ought to. Me being Italian and all that. I should, yeah, I should go. Time's a waste, and I gotta go. Have you ever been to Italy at all? No. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that, but that's the truth. I noticed your voice went on a very low register. No. No. <laughs> He's very disappointed. No, I, I, so. Yeah. I, well, I, I gotta, I gotta I, promise I, you something. Too bad about that. You gotta come with me. If you're going to go the first time, you gotta come with me. Forget about it. Can I come? Absolutely. We'll, we'll, I've been, but we'll, we'll do something. We'll do a whole. I've been to Rome and there. Florence. Those are my two that I've been. Well, to. Rome and Florence is good too. Rome, mm-hmm. I love. I had an apartment there in Parco de Principe in the Villa Borghese. Of course, you did. No, it's, it's, forget <laughs> about. It. We talked about that when we were. I don't even know what words those were, but all right. So moving on. So Ivan asks for Gianni. I remember a while back seeing an old interview with you on YouTube where they showed a clip of you playing a movie character in drag. Do you remember what film that was, and can you tell us about that experience? I remember it well. <laughs> it's Tom Selleck produced it. I mean, it was a, a movie of the week at Universal because he had a deal there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was um, uh, James Colburn <laughs> and I... And James Colburn, as you know, he was like the first karate guy and all of that. And he played a priest, opening scene, he played a priest, and I played a woman. Because the FBI, CIA, it was a wedding going on, high-powered people who had a contract on them. Okay. So he had a contract, and I had a contract, but only one of us would get paid. Ah. So he thought about going in as a priest. And they were looking for us. They knew there was a contract out, and these guys are coming in to get you. Right. And I was dressed as a woman. You were in drag. In drag. <laughs> I had heels on, nylons. And I don't know how you ladies walk around with those high heels. I was killing I me. I can barely do it. But you know how. What, we, what was the name of the movie, John? Do you remember, um, do you remember what it was? Um, no, I can try I to find yeah. it. It was a great, great movie, though. But I, I, just, I don't even know what to search, actually. Yeah, but. We'll we'll come up with it. We'll we'll post it. It's got to be somewhere. Like, oh, maybe no, I can huge. find that interview and we can. No, it's it. huge. But anyway, what happened is we I go be I go behind into the office, and I see him, 
Coburn. He's dressed in a priest. Uh-huh. And he sees me. This is the scene? You're act, you're this is an actual scene, scene now. Okay, yeah. I leave the pew. We, I, I got to get close to this guy and kill him. Right. And how you know how the groom's people go back and, and wait. I want to kill him back there. <laughs> and so did Colburn. We get into a karate fight. I'm in heels. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so crazy. And, it fight, and we go out the window, break right through. It was a great scene. A stained glass window, window, and we're laying in the parking lot. Oh my god! And then we get up and run away, <laughs> and then the whole movie starts chasing. Get up, that was the opening scene. That's opening scene of the movie. That's amazing. No, but did, that's, did you get a run in your nylons? Did I ever? Oh, oh I felt like Joe Namath. Sure. Remember Joe Namath early on? Did that? Uh, you don't know. This. I don't even know Joe Namath. Joe Namath was the biggest football player for the Jets. He was the hero. Okay. And, Huge, yeah. um, and then he became a, a half-ass actor. Uh, he tried yeah, then tried to do oh, that. Oh, really? But he did, yeah. I think it was Haynes Stockings, he did a, a commercial. Wait, what? I feel like I've seen this. And he, he was met. Oh, it was, it, that, it was famous. It was huge. I've definitely was, uh, seen it. But nobody knew why he did it. They, they said the strongest legs can't get a run in Haynes. They pulled back, it's him wearing them. I have seen that. As I, as I recall, he had pretty nice legs. Oh, sure. I guess he did. Yeah, yeah. He, he had he had very feminine legs. This was a, a quarterback for the Jets. Right. He had feminine legs. And, and he, yeah, oh. he, he's he's on his side, and he's he's wearing he's wearing. Uh, I've seen that. That's uh, so nylons, funny. Nylons, stockings. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And he's got he's like propping his his head up on, yep. on his fist. He's got his elbow on the ground. <laughs> I yeah, think this I, was I, in I, one I of my marketing again. classes. He made a big, no, made a big splash, and it sold a lot of nylons. Oh my god! Yeah. Every woman in the world. Yeah. I think it. I think yeah. I had seen it in one of my marketing classes. That's probably what it was. And I, I think a lot of the people who were living in the village years ago. He owned a club called the Bachelors Three. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that. it was on Third uh, Avenue and Fifty Third. Yeah, I recall something like that. Yeah, we were yeah. hung out. Everybody hung out in there. I used to go there too, no, a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, you had every woman in the world there. <laughs> yeah, that's why I went. Yep. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, it was a hell of a club, boy. No, it was really. I believe you. All right, so next one is from Margaret for Gianni. Margaret asks, what was the last movie you did, and would you ever consider acting again? The last big movie I did was uh, Seabiscuit. Okay. With, uh, Jeff what Bridges. year was that again? I don't even know. Probably in the early 20s. I don't know, maybe 2001. I don't Thousands, remember. got it, yeah. I think it was that or, yeah, that or, the, or the Family Man with Nicolas Cage. Mm. I forgot. No, but, you know, I, I really, I think... When you think of what, where my life is now, it, the Godfather anniversary is coming up in 2022. It's 50 years. And to me, to be known from the Godfather mm-hmm. is, is my whole life, even though I made 64 other movies. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't, unless with our project that you probably all know about who's listening to us, our project is definitely going to go to a, a 10-hour miniseries, and I can't <laughs> mention who's doing because they're so well-known and ink didn't dry on the contracts of who's distributing it yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to open and close that as myself. So I think that that's a great... That's going to be your uh, final my, project. My fun, finale, and I hope it runs for 10 years. So I think it might. So, I think I hope it does, too. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast can be a part of it now. They, they're so interested in our podcast. That's awesome. Thanks to all of you people. I mean, we should make that known. Since March 12th, when Hollywood Godfather came out, in all different mediums, maybe print, internet, whatever, 
We've had over 3,200,000 views. That's crazy. And I have to thank Patrick Bet David again. The last five days we jumped again. What's it at on, now? On Valuetainment, Patrick Bet David, Valuetainment. It's on YouTube. Yeah. On YouTube, look it up. I have 820,000 views. That's amazing. We'll wait until it gets to a million. We can sell Oh, it's going to be soon. So, oh, I'm sure. Any, any, any excuse for a party, we'll have a party. Yeah, yeah. And, and thank all of thank you God. for doing all this. I mean, it's you people who are listening to us that just keep increasing our, our, our visibility or listening ability or whatever you call this old medium. <laughs> you know, you're the guy I used to listen to this radio. I remember when television came out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, so I think that's enough for the mailbag for tonight. All right, perfect. But before we go, I want to remind people of the event that you're going to be at. Please, so, I want everybody to show up. Yeah, so it's the Chicago Sports Spectacular at Donald E. Stevens Convention Center, November 24th, 2019. Perfect. So everybody come out if you're in the Chicago area. It should be should be cool. Oh, yeah. Thank you all. Pat, love you. All right, Johnny, Megan, good night. Love you. Good night. Love you guys. Good night. God bless. All right, good night. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit Amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.